Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Littlejohn and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, all right. It is that time. Wait, I have an idea. I'm just going to randomly babble for five minutes. And then you're going to interject as if I can't hear you. Oh, wait, that was last week. That was last oh, week. Let's, I... <laughs> let's try it for fun and adventure. No, ladies oh. and gentlemen, welcome to the True Wealth Program. In studio this week, I'm happy to be back. I'm your host, David Littlejohn. Joining me as always, or almost always. Or covering for you when you're not here, <laughs> is Katie Shook. I, I was like a deer in a headlights because he's like, keep talking, keep talking. And I'm like, I can't hear anything. And you're... Like your I, feed you, was the, live. The audience could hear, but you. But could I couldn't not. hear. It was like. Yeah, it was one of those moments of like, and then we made history the wrong way. Uh, <laughs> well, and it's one thing if you're like, well, I don't have anybody to talk to, no problem. Like you're mentally kind of prepared for that. And it's another thing when you're like, oh, they're going to call in. It's like you're mentally prepared for that. But there was this like weird crossover that was just no man's land to me. And yeah. and he's like, keep talking, keep talking. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to talk about. I was hoping David would be here by now. <laughs> Well, and here's the fun thing. Fun Shows fact were a live our, podcast or a live fun thing. Fun fact for our audience to uh, enjoy is that we talk about concepts that we want to cover, but we don't script the show because otherwise I know how fun it is to listen to people just read a lecture oh, on air. Uh, yeah, I'd, we'd probably be off air if that was our strategy. So we want it to be a lot more natural and organic. I uh, still want to figure out ways to add value. If you're just joining, if you've ever listened to the program before, you know, welcome. Uh, this is the learning show, right? So uh, just to give a little backdrop, right? So Dave Littlejohn here. I'm a 20-year veteran of the financial industry and have been... Uh, 10-year veteran of Littlejohn Financial yeah, Services. We, we, we're literally coming up on the, the formal 10-year anniversary. This is the 10-year year, uh, but I've been doing this for over 20 years That's now. That's so crazy. As a pro uh, and have been... A, a been a broker, no longer a broker, now work in the advisory world, still a professional advisor. We have and serve clients both locally and around the country. We're licensed in multiple states and have clients in almost every time zone in uh, the country. I don't think we have anybody in Hawaii. I was going to say, Hawaii is the only one that I, I think don't Hawaii think. Hawaii, and um, we actually have some clients that I think we, they I think they're legally from Alaska, but they live out of country. So Correct. Some expats. Yep. But... Um, and, you know, that's as much as I can tell you because we don't kiss and tell about our clients. Confidentiality, yeah. Yep. There's but, those things. But the purpose of this program is really education and entertainment. Right. Right. And so we cover lots of different topics. Uh, always encourage folks, if you end up with a question and you would like us to tackle it on air, we're happy to do so. You can send an email to us at info at littlejohnfs and we'll actually answer it if it's appropriate and i <laughs> <laughs> well, caveat if it's, caveat how about if it's on topic too right like yeah. i mean because sometimes people ask questions and we're like well that's a that would be a great show next week or something um or the, it would be a great show for like you know mike winters or something where it's like so i don't really know how to seed your lawn that's not my <laughs> my expertise here so you can ask me that question and i'll be like you know what i would do is i can tell you how to bury money pro. in your lawn but i don't know that that's really productive either mm-hmm. um i will say though also uh if you have questions um, and you want to get through, you can always call our office, 541-375-0898, um, and Heather will answer. And we have an instant messenger that goes throughout our whole entire office in multiple locations, so she can always shoot us a message, and we can try to get it answered on air, too, as well. Yeah, we so, used to try to take live calls, and we just have sort of... Well, we can't. Be, it's harder to do with this station when it moved. 
Right. We're just we should the logistics we should, are just we harder. should squeeze on that more. We should take live <laughs> calls, right? Because I'm sure some of you out there listening are like, I'd call. Uh, so anyway, today I want to talk about a couple of things. So we're going to keep some of this high level, and I want to cover things that I think are interesting in a landscape that is post-election, right? We think. Can we even call it that? We think, right? And uh, that's because... Post-vote day? <laughs> yeah. Post it's not really post-election yet. It's, it's but... interesting. Normally you would say, because one party has not conceded, right? So that means that since nobody's formally said, you know, the media has said by and large, like, no, we're going to call it. Like the AP said, we're going to call the election. But it's not formal. So right. it is post-election, but it doesn't mean it's post-results. Right. It certainly appears to be a result one way, but right. I suppose, you know, until it's officially stamped, that's the gotcha of like, I'm not, I'm not going to call it, just so you know, because I'm not about to create some I told you so weirdo moment. Nope. I'm just like punt on that one. But we are looking at what appears to be regime change and so what does that mean and we're going to highlight some of the considerations because so far um there was another miracle monday that happened that sort of changed the landscape for our economy and here's the weird thing not related to the election what do you mean when you say miracle i have a hold on i have like five questions lined up already oh, hey, what do you mean when you say miracle monday well, what does that mean like the markets went up Oh, big, right? Big, big market move on across Monday. the board or a certain sector. Mostly across the board. I mean, there was big tech struggled. The this the areas of the economy that have done the very best all year struggled, but the areas that have been doing terrible came up. So they all, all said, of a "Hi!" Big rise. Like they like showed up to the party, but super late. Up and went up like eight to fifteen percent yesterday. So energy now, you, stocks eight to fifteen percent. Really? Yep. In one day. One day. Wow. Sorry. I have a really fun sneeze coming on and, you know, oh, this like it's going to be, a, oh. do I need to like hit the mute button? For no. You? Isn't there a weird thing that you can say and then it goes away or something? Okay. Um, so you talked about Monday. We talked so about Miracle Monday. So it's because vaccine announcement. Is that what it was? That, yeah. that kind of pushed yeah, it Pfizer off? Pfizer announced a COVID uh, vaccine, a COVID vaccine that they said so far, um, like 95% or something. Uh, they said about 90% effective, and they've got two months of human trials, and it's a pretty good size sample here. And so it appears that we have a genuine vaccine on the horizon, which has been, for many people, that's been the drumbeat is, well, this thing doesn't end until we get a vaccine. Uh, I'm not going to touch any other theories than that on air. Yeah, because it's, it's Cause too it controversial. Gets, well, it just gets everybody's hackles up because it's like, well, there's this other thing or though there's not, it's this other. And I'm like, doggone it, people. Just, <laughs> you know, why, why can't we have a discussion and learn with each other instead of having to be right all the time? Good point. And I say that knowing full well, I'm pretty guilty and I'm the one with the microphone and the bully pulpit <laughs> right now. I get it. David does like his soapbox, by the way. Yes. Could we make it just a little taller, please? Oh, <laughs> what color would you like it? I want to paint it this Christmas. Indeed. <laughs> oh, and it, no, but okay. Now I forgot. Oh, have, have we ever, by the way, I'm admitting I did not pay attention as well as I should have in social studies when I was younger. Have we ever had a time in our history where the vote has been challenged like it is now? Yes. When was it? Al Gore in 2000, Al Gore and George Bush. It actually took well into December before the vote was officially 
formalized. Okay. The media called it for George Bush, and then there were multiple recounts in the state of Florida. The margin was very thin. There was the hanging Chad. Oh, uh, that's right. Like the thing didn't get, yeah, poked all the way through or something. Right. So there was a number of issues, but ultimately the the court system uh, kind of, and and there's conspiracy amongst. There are people that still to this day believe that the election was stolen. And so, uh, but that was 20 years ago, right? But but yeah, we've actually had it happen. And it I took, remember the chat thing now that you say that to get it resolved. So this is not unprecedented. Uh, and, and again, the media had sort of made its call, right? And just said, no, it's going to be this. And then, but we'll see if it gets turned over in court. That is the very similar thing that's going on right now. So it is well, the, the presumptive call has been made one way, but it's not a. It's not official, right? Uh, I, I, I will say what I think most have said is, look, if they're legitimate votes, they got to be counted, right? I mean, that's that's the bottom line in that. Let the people speak. Uh, if if your side loses in a legitimate vote off, then suck it up, Buttercup. That's how it goes in this country. But you know, I I think they should be legitimate votes. Well, and we've. But consistently like, how can throughout you not history, talk about, I'd be like, by the way, if you're listening and you find yourself your blood pressure elevating because using the term legitimate vote bugs you. Right. Then you need to check where you're at and like take your own pulse for where you're at on this thing, because you don't want I mean, if, if the shoe were on the other foot. You certainly don't want illegitimate votes influencing things. Right. Well, my, my I guess my question is, like, I always think about all of the conveniences and everything we have throughout our day now that didn't exist 20 years ago. Right. Like you just mentioned the whole Chad thing. Like, I remember when everybody's like, oh, the Chads, the Chads. Now. OK, so now we've gone to online voting. I know that, you know, Oregon's no. had mail in ballots or no, not I, online. I'm sorry. I, re- I retract that. Not online. But like. Mail-in ballots. Like, Oregon's had mail-in ballots for a long time, which was weird for me coming from California because I was used to, like, going to vote. And so I was like, oh, I get to mail it in. That's awesome. Um, it is convenient. It is super convenient. And then and – I, and I remember when I was called for jury duty and they said, you realize if you're, like, registered to vote and it doesn't match your driver's license, you're going to get called for jury duty twice because they think there's two of you that live at the address. And so during this whole process, I've been thinking, is are there, like – weird communications in it like i mean not that you can answer that question i'm just saying i'm you know when people say oh i got like three votes mailed to my house i don't know there's a lot there's so much surrounding it i kind of just want it settled i just want to know the answer and move on yeah me too. i mean i I, you know it's everybody and and if you look at history i mean it's been democrats and it's been republicans right and we've changed regimes how many times now i mean it's it happens and it will continue to happen throughout our history so like as we continue to make history so yeah, yeah it's not go. like it's been, you know, Republican or Democrat for 100 years and all of a sudden it's something different. No, no. So <laughs> so anyway, let's put that one to bed and now talk about post whatever. What does it mean <laughs> for investors? And there are so many questions that we need to unpack today. Uh, for example, uh, I have people asking me about, you know, should, is the stock market going to crash? Well, it has we still? Yet, right? I feel like that is the chicken little. The sky is falling. Uh, it is. It is. But but so or should we be doing something different? OK, so I'm going to just I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I want to talk about what's going on and some of the things that we're observing because we did have an investment committee meeting this morning. But also uh, here's a fun one. Katie brought this up before the show and we're going to cover this and more. How about uh, real estate? OK, some interesting things in the real estate market that we want to talk about as well. But as it turns out, 
we're at that point in the show where we have to take the evil corporate profit break, right? <laughs> so we're going to take the evil corporate profit break. Hey, we paid for that evil corporate profit break. <laughs> shh, shh, you're, you're jinxing it. All right, and then we'll be right back. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Your host, Dave Littlejohn, in studio with... Katie Shuck. And reminder, if you guys are just joining us, check out the podcast. Uh, the good news is if you missed the last segment, it already happened. So you can, <laughs> you can listen to it later. But we are Thanks moving Thanks for that forward. one, Captain Obvious. I know, we got this one. <laughs> I got you. So we are going to be talking today about... Uh, the, Things that are forward. important to you. Yeah, well, we're going to look forward. I think they're important to a lot of investors. We get a lot of questions, and so I'm going to try to hit on high-level topics today. Katie, I want to encourage you to ask questions as this happens as well, because I know our listeners have these questions, right? Right. But I'm going to start with a few biggies. And so in the – and we're just going to – we're making some assumptions today, right? If you The first segment of the show, the assumption is that – the election results stand as as they appear they will, and so we're going to move forward. Okay. And so if that is the case, what does it mean? Yeah, what is on the horizon? Because there's some different tax policy coming up, and we before we left to the break, we mentioned people have been asking, is the stock market going to crash, which we haven't seen that. We had a bump in like almost 12 to 15% on Monday. Depend well, not and the whole market, right? Not the some whole market. Some sectors, you know, the most like the the major indexes went up about three percent. That's okay, still so a like good move, though. Right now, it, it hit all time highs. Hey, guess what? Up, up is up. Yes, we're happy for but, up. Three percent is very different than twelve to fifteen. Right. Individual stocks went up big. I mean, as an example, in the last two weeks, Uber, the the the, the rideshare yeah. company. Is up about forty percent. Now, in two is weeks. Uber Conference the same as the Uber Drive? No, no different the, deal. Really, they're just both named Uber. Yeah, they're different. they're not owned by the same company nope. though. Nope. Huh. Okay. At least I don't think they are. Right. No. Uber, I saw that Uber was weird. Ride sharing technology. Right. Okay? Um, you know, for years it used to be Uber was kind of the term that meant like it was like the German version of super. So like the Uber car was not about a self driving car or the service it was like oh that's a cool sports car you, you know? kind of wonder sometimes how things like that translate in other countries when that has a funny meaning mm -hmm. so anyhow that that was an individual stock that in the last two weeks was up like 40 percent okay not a recommendation to purchase just so we're clear kind of random though kinda, well it not so but, random proposition 22 passed in california which is what it was a, so california passed a rule and i don't remember what it was but it was oh is this like the taxi thing where it's like they weren't no no, no? this is about that you gigs gig economy means that like rideshare people had to be employees of uber so right they couldn't it, be independent people they're not independent contractors they had to be considered employees because then it wasn't it like unionized on, and well, the whole yeah, thing that. they wanted and... to have payroll for them they wanted to but then you have to do things like hours and provide benefits and a bunch of other stuff it was going to radically change the cost structure and function so uber and lyft the you know corresponding rival yeah home depot they Lowe's. basically stopped service in california and then there was sort of a suspension of the rule while it got worked out so they could do a little bit but the the voters passed, I believe it was Proposition 22, that more or less exempted Uber and Lyft from that rule. And so the stock went bananas because, you know, California is a giant population lobe and lots of rideshare there. So, right. Oh, if you don't get a 
20% of the U.S. population, or whatever it is, you know, it's 10, 10 and 15% of the U.S. populations in California, right, then that really hurts corporate earnings, especially because there's a lot of rural populations that there's not much Uber, right? Like, look around Roseburg, not so much. But, you know, and I don't know, we may even have local laws that forbid it still. But that's the idea. I think I thought somebody said they're doing it now. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. So anyway, I, I think for a while there were local laws in like the yeah, preventing it, area it, yeah. that you couldn't have it. So what are we looking at? I, I'm going to make some observations and I want to clarify again. Not investment advice. Okay, don't go. You go do your own research. I'm not giving investment advice right now, but I'm going to show you some observations as an example. Uh, one of the best performing asset classes in the S&P 500 index was technology. There's 11 primary indexes, or sorry, 11 primary uh, subcomponents, if you will, indices to the uh, primary index of the S&P. So it breaks down into these subsectors. So technology is one of the subsectors, and it's grown to be a significant portion of the S&P 500. So well, it's I'm assuming not like Amazon and 11th. Facebook like, have like a lot to do with that too. Oh yeah, the top ten stocks of the S and P 500 are like 30 percent of the allocation to the entire thing. No way. Yeah, there's 505 stocks, not 500 in the S and P, and <laughs> and the top ten represent like 30 percent of the value, the total value of the index. Right. So one of the things and that most people... of them are tech. <laughs> So one of the things that people think about when they go, oh, the top 500 stocks, they is the built in assumption, if you didn't know, would be that everybody gets one 500th of the share. And that's not how it works. Right. Like the bigger the like the bigger the company like Amazon or Facebook, yeah, the bigger the piece estate. of pie. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, like you got to realize the big hitters, like he said, the top 10 stocks are taking up a third of the pie. Yeah, It's like it's called a cap weighted index. Right. So market capitalization. So the bigger the company, the bigger the piece of the pie. It's a good way to describe it. I like pie. Yeah, We're going on pie. Thanksgiving pie. So if we think about what that's telling us sort of underneath that there was this big move in large tech. And it was also the quote unquote stay at home companies that got to stay open. So Walmart, Home Depot and Costco all stayed open during the pandemic. They were deemed essential. Right. right. And we saw other companies that really barely had any activity like Uber for a while. And then we've seen uh, Amazon thrive. Right. You know, online presence. Google still thriving. Yeah, they were presence. made for a pandemic. How about Zoom, right? <laughs> I mean, how Zoom calls. Oh, Zoom to infinity. My just makes my head want to melt. But anyway, <laughs> Zoom calls. True. Uh, just, I, I think know. Zoom was like prepping for this. They're like, we love pandemics. <laughs> Everybody's I'm using sorry, our stuff I'm now. Like, if, if there's more than four people in a Zoom call, I just don't like it anymore. It's just too many. It's like the Brady Bunch went bananas. <laughs> It is totally like the Brady Bunch intro with everybody pieced on the windows. Mm -hmm. so oh I'm my just God. Like, we're, we're done here. Aww. Anyhow, the, <laughs> That's funny. The, the idea, though, is that we had all of this money flowing into certain areas of the market. And then we had this announcement of potential vaccine. And now folks are saying, well, is the economy going to open up back up? Are we going to start to see more people traveling on airlines again soon? Are we going to see people getting back on cruise ships? That's kind and of the million dollar question, huh? It is. And so it's very early, but the market essentially made a hard bet that, yeah, that's a good sign. And so we saw hospitality and travel and entertainment stocks spike yesterday significantly on the idea that the economy could reopen now because a vaccine means that we could potentially end lockdowns. Okay, Now, it's still... St it's really it, early. It, it, yeah, I mean, look, there's still like nine, ten month pathway for 
getting this actually out in the public. And then there's distribution, right? You have to manufacture at a certain rate to get these things out. And right now, they think they could manufacture about enough vaccine to treat 25 million people. They said 50 million doses, but it takes two doses. So that's about 25 million people. Well, last I checked, the population of the United States alone is over 300 million. And we're fighting for a global vaccine here. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, do the math. We're going to have to really spool up manufacturing. So, again, what portion of our pie are we getting? Well, and who's the most at risk and how do you do it? Now it's the lottery. And uh, and there are a lot of people that are going to ask, do you want a vaccine that would rush to market? True. Fair question. So, nevertheless, so what, how does this what is this thing that I am that we have noticed? And I say we because I have an investment committee. It's not just me. But what have we noticed about the markets? There were some underperforming areas, right? Sectors that did terrible. Sectors like energy, real estate has by and large been in a challenge position. Utility companies up until the last month or so had really been in a challenge position. And this was because with COVID, presumably, utility bills weren't getting paid when we said, hey, we're going to have a holiday on payment. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, because their actual income has just gone down. Not that their usage has. I mean, I'm assuming the usage might have gone up a little bit because if people are all, you know, if you have five people that work in an office and they're all home working from home, then you have five houses that are now being lit all day versus one office that's being lit. So there's probably more energy usage, possibly. Hard to say, but uh, possibly. But payments, yeah, people not paying their bills because they can't afford it. That was it. So it changed the revenue stream, which changes the valuation for the company. And now those things are potentially going to change again. So folks are trying to figure that out. But here's what I have noticed. If you were to just look at the market and, and strip away what sector or category of the investment it is, and instead look at just the size of the market, Okay. So small companies, medium companies, or big companies. And then there's something that we look at as advisors, typically, as pros. Value companies versus growth companies. Growth companies are the companies that typically are reinvesting back into themselves. To make them grow bigger. Yeah, so they're not typically paying dividends. They're usually reinvesting and getting bigger. Which, for new listeners, what's a dividend? Dividend is essentially a profit share. So if a company has profits after expenses then they can distribute profits to the shareholders in the form of a dividend. So it's a, it's a, di- it's a profit distribution to shareholders. Because it's either pay taxes to the IRS or give it back to the shareholders. Well, actually, dividend. Or a little bit of both. The company pays taxes and then has to pay the dividend out, and then you get to pay taxes again. Dividends are double taxed. Yikes. So, yeah, it's one of the, the great, great frustrations of the financial industry and corporate America is that, you know, because a um, – sorry, there's a – S corporation and a C corporation. C corporations are the publicly traded ones. And that type of corporation is its own standalone tax entity. So it pays its own taxes. And, and then, then gives it to people and then, and then people the, pay taxes. And then the shareholders get to get their dividend distributions of profits and then taxes again. Uh, this is not the let's talk about taxes show today, but nope. that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, the corporate tax rate that people that is being talked about being raised by the Biden administration. Uh, It would be essentially a tax that businesses would pay. And it's not just big companies. It's pretty well businesses. All businesses would would pay. Which that can be a slippery slope. Quite. You know, it it would catch ours. You know, we we have a total of, uh, we have six employees and one uh, one of our teammates is a, I guess, a contractor, but also sort of, you know, he's part of the team, but uh, but he, yeah, he's, he's a contractor. He's contractor, right? So right. he's not a W-2 employee. So team of seven, six employees, uh, 
classic definition of small business, we're definitely in there. Oh yeah, under you know? ten, under ten people. Yeah. Yeah, but our taxes will go up, right? In, in, if what is being proposed happens, you know, our our tax will go up. Oh. So it's a given, right? At this point, like if if the policy, like by definition, we're just in there, uh, because if you have six people, the the threshold is you know four hundred thousand dollars. You know, four hundred thousand dollars spread amongst six people, not that much money. True. Not when you start paying the business expenses and overhead and everything else. So he's got to math up on these things, right? But here's what I've noticed about the, the investment landscape. All that money that was flowing into the, in, in this, the large growth companies, well, there wasn't money flowing into the small and medium-sized value companies. If, those compa- if the economy were to sort of reactivate, those companies on the balance sheet look undervalued. Again, not a recommendation for a buy, but or on sale. Well, what yeah, is undervalued? I mean, it's yeah, when you say things sale. like that. Okay, so the, Under, yeah, undervalued means that they look like they're out of favor, right? So you know, you can buy investments that are working now, with the idea that you're gonna they have momentum and they're gonna keep growing, or you can buy things when they look like they're on sale, priced to recover, right? This is like, do you buy the house and flip it, or do you buy the house in the fast-growing neighborhood? Ah, very good. Very good metaphor for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And some people just don't want to deal with the flipper. Yeah, well, the flipper... uh, Takes more work and effort. Well, you can't put the work in as a a passive shareholder. So you have to hope the management team's going to put the work in and make it a good flip. Right. You know, or that somebody else will come in and buy it for a bigger price. Right. That, by the... You know, there's a funny name for that, by the way. Which is? Well... So the, the idea that you can buy a stock for any price you want, it doesn't matter what the value is, as long as you can sell it for more. And it's called the bigger fool theory, right? As long as um, there's a bigger fool than you. I don't even like that name. But That's it's real. awful. You know, you could, it, well, this was As long as someone's willing to be the bigger fool and buy it for more, then it's- 2006 real uh, estate market, right? Hey, true. You no. know what? You could buy a house as long as a bigger fool will buy it for more from you later. Accurate. Completely accurate. And so that was the idea is what's the bigger fool? Ah. Yeah. Okay. So as we look at other areas of the market, the first one is go look, I'm uh, just suggesting that you look at undervalued segments of the market or, or out of favor segments of the market to as, as a place to start some research. Okay. If you're looking for areas where the market appears to have not moved, you have to ask yourself why. So I'm not making recommendations, but I would suggest uh, simply look you know, sniff around in that area. See Channel you your see inner things. Sherlock Holmes and start investigating. There you go. Uh, it's something that we are doing as an investment committee. We have not formally made a ton of movement yet, but uh, when starting we look to at, sniff out what you well, think might be the next investment. As an investor, you know, we like to have a certain amount of momentum in our strategy, and we like to have a certain amount of value, right? And those are the things that we think are underpriced, and the market is going to ultimately bring them back in favor. I think that. If we have the economy reopen, it changes valuations, right? Real estate looks different when rent gets paid than when it doesn't. True. Very true. So speaking of rent and real estate, I want to talk about real estate a little bit, but we better take our next obscene corporate profit break. So we will do that and then come back and we'll unpack real estate and more fun stuff. Until then, this is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN.
All right, gang. Welcome back to the True Well Show. Katie, you know what? what? <laughs> we have covered all kinds of fun today. And um, if you're just joining us, you guys, you should listen to the podcast, right? And the first segment has all the stuff we talked about in the first segment. And the second segment, <laughs> also all the stuff from the second segment. So if you listen to both of them, you will have heard everything we've said up to now. What were you for Halloween? Because it wasn't Captain Obvious. I really want you one year to dress up as Captain Obvious because it's would, just. I would rock it. it. You would. Like, I mean, you could be the Captain next. Captain Obvious, I, I think I could go for Major Obvious, too. <laughs> <laughs> we get, we could have a whole lineup of. Yeah, definitely needs to happen for sure. Brilliant. So. We were talking about real estate. We were talking about real estate. Uh, this is the other question people are saying now post, uh, you know, again, assuming the election maintains where it's at. Because I'm avoiding the controversy of somebody saying, oh, how could you go on the radio and this side of the other? Like, I'm whatever. We're, we're not. Just, we're just, you we're know, not. we're just working with what we've got to work with here. So let's talk about real estate. Uh, so first and foremost, uh, can real estate go up forever? What? No. It cannot. All right. Can, can real estate crash? Yeah. Can, yes. Will real estate crash? I don't yeah see it that way i don't what's think considered a crash let's let's def let's put some uh, definitions to these terms here Perfect. a little bit because you're i'm gonna let you define crash i want what do you think a crash is katie well i've heard you say things like a crash is you know like a is that like a correction where it's like more than 20 percent kind of thing because well so the stock market a correction is more than 10 percent, and a bear market is 20 percent. so if you go back 20 percent from your highs a 20 percent move down would be within a, so many days no period period would, would become a bear market but what's considered a crash um you know anymore i i can't even tell you what's hilarious is i get news feeds from various sources and uh, you know things like dow craters and then i see like it's down one and a half percent i'm like that's a crater <laughs> like how you know or you know futures rocket higher and it's up 0.7 and if it like, bleeds it leads is what? that <laughs> I'm going like, who writes these headlines we need some guidance here you know, well that's what i'm saying like what word guidance on what a riot means like, give me guidance on a headline for the markets because i want to know what it means when markets plummet and they're down one percent i'm like that is not a plummet that's not like, a that's, plummet markets, that's a hiccup markets go down today like there you go that's what you just told me because well, but it doesn't catch eyeballs and it's not a catchy thing, right? So they're trying to figure out how to catch your ears and catch your eyes. Well, and now it's I'm getting points. Points drive me nuts, okay? When, all right, you you guys want to know how to irritate me? Ha, 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 Okay. This is hilarious, right? Just just say like, oh my gosh, the Dow's up 300 points. And I'm going to roll my eyes and go, Who? Out of context. Yeah, 300 points 15 years ago was meaningful. 300 points today is like point nothing percent. It's a this rounding is, error. It's a, it's like a, you know, it went up 1400 points yesterday. Now we're getting somewhere. 1400 points. At one point it was up like 4%. So That's like the higher, lot. so the higher the number goes, the more points it needs to be to be significant. Well, that's the thing. When the Dow was 10,000, then a thousand points was 10%. Right. When the Dow was 30,000 or close to, then a thousand points is a third of a percent. So give it to me in percentages if you want, because I want context. Yeah, points, please. That's just what that, you know what that's relying on? 
your anchoring bias. Yes, you person listening right now, I'm talking to you. <laughs> if you've been watching markets for years and years and you're grounded in like the back in the days when minimum wage was four bucks an hour or something and gas was 30 cents, then 300 points sounds really big. But look around and minimum wage is, you know, approaching. 10 bucks now instead it's like okay things change well, including and, the value of the market i'm going to speak to that for a minute because sometimes people call and they go oh did you see what the dow did and i'm like are you invested in anything in the dow uh i don't know okay so do if you don't have any investments that are listed on the dow index then why do you care what the dow did like you're telling me that's your point of reference but you don't own any of that yeah or you know everybody comparing their investments to the s p 500 when they uh, don't own the whole S&P 500 or, or when you're invested in a diversified portfolio that's got stocks and bonds and all over the globe. And you're like, how come the S&P 500 looks like this and mine doesn't? It's because you have nothing resembling the S&P 500 as your investment. Why did you choose that as your benchmark? It's like comparing a truck to a car. Yeah. Or to a three wheeled car. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, wait, right. they're not even close to the same. They don't yeah, even have the same truck stuff. to a boat. I mean, like, wait a second here. You know, yeah, well, they're both vehicles, but we're. By the way, we've weeds. talked about even like risk on here, right? Like people come in and go, well, I don't want to lose any money and I don't, I don't want to take a lot of risk. And then they go, well, why didn't you do this thing? Um, because that's super aggressive risk. And you said you wanted to be moderately low risk. So you told me not to yeah. do that. These are professional woes, by the way. We're secretly venting when we have a client that's like, well, I want to compare to the SP. I said, yeah, but you can't. You know, you can't ride a bicycle, compare yourself to a Ferrari when that's the level of risk you're accepting, right? I mean, like, they're not the same investment. So you need to compare well, apples to apples. And again, right? It's always it's always easy to go, well, how come you're not doing that thing when it's going up? But when it's going down, everybody's like, oh, I'm glad I didn't do that thing. So it, right. it's a double-edged sword. We can't win. But we're talk we were talking about crash. And we were trying to define yeah. crash. You asked me, what do I, you know, yeah, what's, you a real estate, what's a real estate? real estate crash. Like, to me, a crash would be like half the value. Like if yeah, my like house a, is now worth half of what it was a year ago, that's a legit. Crash that's too. a crash. So I would say like the 2006 to 2008 period of the market was a crash. Right. I, I lived in a home that lost 40 percent of its value. Right. That like, to me would be that a crash. Was a crash. And where, where it's like, you know what? I have to I have to pay money to leave. Right. I bought a house. It's worth less than I, I bought it for. And not just the commissions that I may be paid real estate. No, like it's like the I'm physical about, value is I, worth less. Yeah. I, you know, I can't come up with the money to leave my own house because I'm upside down in it. Yeah. You may have had a crash kind of environment. I so would I say, would consider a crash a, like half a, or even let's say 35 percent or more, like right. A third of it. Like if it yeah, moves I, that I, much, it's really hard to see that happen without having some really radical stuff go on in the marketplace. Right. And when I say radical stuff, it would mean things like all of this money that's been printed, because we've had massive stimulus, right. it would have to find itself very quickly in the hands of the consumer. Because you, what you need is to generate massive amounts of inflation quickly. That means that the consumer either has to have tons more money than available product, because that's kind of what's driven up real estate prices now. Like if you think about this, well, it's supply and demand, right? There's not a lot of supply, and there's more right. demand. But why is it that real estate is inflating in value, but other areas of the economy, like energy, are not? That's why a great is, question. Why has oil gone down and housing has gone up? Because of access to money, right? If you can get super cheap money for a mortgage then you can throw more money at a house to buy it as long as you can afford the payment. Well, that's true. And aren't they offering mortgage interest rates right now at like two and a half percent or yeah, something? I mean, know, it's they're, they're like 
really I mean, low rates here. So it's crazy so low. To give you an idea, I did some swag estimating here. What's Quite a swag? Scientific wild arse guess. So <laughs> I love it. And yeah, fill in the A. <laughs> so assumptive guess. Yeah, assumptive. scientific wild assumptive guess. And when we look at if you look at median family incomes, it's around $59,000 in the state of Oregon. Okay. And you were to take 30% of your income and then take that over, divided by 12. It's about 1400 bucks a month. Okay. At three and a quarter interest on a 30-year loan right now, if you didn't have to pay any of the other stuff, but you know, three twenty-five, you you're at, you you buy a three, borrow three twenty-five. You still have to pay taxes and your mortgage or your um, insurance. PMI, yeah. But your principal and interest is fourteen hundred bucks a month, and that's a that's thirty percent of your income. Okay. Uh, or roughly, maybe but, it was thirty-five, but whatever it is, it's around a third of your right. income. And so that's about what the the median home price could be pushed to. It's not really that high. Three twenty five at three and a quarter because yeah. we have other fees and things in there too that, that nibble away and force it down. Principal it really looks more like two seventy five to three hundred than yeah, if, and so if we were to say if you had to pay two hundred dollars in rent and taxes, then that number I can calculate in rent. on the fly. Not rent. I'm sorry, taxes and insurance. Okay. Um, I was like rent, then, I'm not renting the house I own. <laughs> then then you're looking at more like it looks to me about Two hundred and seventy-five thousand. Right, that's kind of what I said. Two seventy-five so, to three hundred. So two seventy-five. So that's why that kind of explains something about our local market too, right? Which houses, as they approach three hundred thousand dollars, move slower. Houses below two hundred thousand move really, really fast. Right, because you're taking the median income and going, well, these people are now qualifying yeah, for so, more house. So you have to figure out a way to get people to have more money in their hand in order to pay more for an asset. If interest rates drop, that happens. True. Right? Interest rates drop, you can get more house. And that's what we've seen is rates have fallen from what they were 10 years ago in the sixes down to where they're at right now in the threes. So interest rates have been cut by 50%. Which is a lot. It puts a lot more money in your pocket. It puts a lot more money, but it doesn't necessarily go into your pocket. You have to buy the house. That's what the mortgage is for. So it means more money can chase the housing market, but not the gas tank market. Very true. But people have also been asking, should I refinance? Yeah. And so let's do this. Let's grab the last break. Okay. And then we can talk about the, the refinance question and just so what does it mean for real estate? Are we headed for that mythical crash or what? We'll unpack that in our final segment. We've got to take the last obscene profit break. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. That is surprising, actually. <laughs> I love when you lead in that way. That interview's like, what? What's surprising? Oh, yeah. David, so, yeah, tell sorry. me. If, yeah, if you're just joining us, you, you missed the, it'll be Go on the podcast. Go check out the podcast. You need to listen. It'll be there. Uh, we're talking about uh, real, real estate. estate in the last segment. And a lot of people were asking, is real estate due for a crash or something? And I was talking about what's driving the price up. And so we're looking at interest rates on the mortgage calculators. Oh, yeah. No, I've seen people saying, like, oh, you can get two, 2.15, 2.35. I'm like, what? Yeah, so I'm looking at 30-year rates. But if uh, I assumed three and a quarter, and we figured that you could get roughly $275,000 was the median income. And I'm the ballpark in these. you got to pay taxes and insurance. Not and income, too. house. Median house. Yeah, the median – well, the median income could at a, a third of your money going into house payments roughly – your median income would buy at that rate 
a two hundred seventy five thousand right dollars for, Thank for you. a three and a quarter rate. But if that rate dropped to two point seven five, it bumps from two hundred seventy five thousand to almost three hundred thousand for the same See payment. a lot, yeah. And so that's my larger point. Is and twenty five thousand can make a difference yeah, in a house. Well, when rates go down, it's more money chasing the same home. By right. the way, that's inflation. That's literally <laughs> the definition of an inflation. It's like more money chasing the same thing is inflation. So do you feel like our clients have been asking, like, is the market going to crash? Or Because I feel like more of the conversation has been, should I refi right now? Well, so the refi question is a, a tricky one. Like, it's math, right? You Because the interest rate is calculatable. And you can say, okay, well, based on your payment, here's your, you can refi based on cash flow. Hey, if I do this, it means I have to pay less per month. Uh, but you have to pay for longer. You're reestablishing how long. But does it save you interest? And what's it cost you to do it? And you do the math. Right. So I can't answer the question like, No, do I'm just saying that's it's been a question that we've gotten a lot lately, though, is like, should I refi right now? Like, well, it's a good I've, interest rate. I've and... gotten that or I've gotten questions. Should, we, should I buy a house or should I wait for the markets to correct? I don't know that the market is going to correct because I don't think that the demand for housing goes away. I think the amount of money that can chase housing may change. Right. If we see economics if we see stimulus that and, and the economy reopening but we don't see wage increases the, and and the, we see interest rates go up that we see less purchasing power for homes right and that could be deflationary for houses meaning the yeah the real estate market could come back in value but do i see like a 40 percent correction no, I don't see the same circumstances as 2006 to 2008. Right. Well, and the you know, un the unknown ago. to me is how many people have been laid off that are still laid off that are not making their mortgage payment. And what does that look like when that's lifted? And all of a sudden people are a year behind on their mortgages, right? Yeah. Are they are they getting the boot? Are they not getting? I'm not trying to be uh, not yeah, sensitive, I mean, but is. I mean, it's like, you know, are, is your house going into foreclosure? Is that going to be, is that going to flood the market? Is that going to lower the prices? Or, you know, how is that going to look? Is there going to be a stimulus package that says, hey, you know, we're going to help you get caught up? I mean, we don't know. We don't because we're still kind of making the rules up as we go along with COVID. Right. So we just don't know. We don't know how this is all going to play out in the next five years. Yeah. So anyway, there you go on the real estate question. And by the way, me approximating at a third of your income, I think that's too high. Just so Isn't we're clear. Is it supposed to be like 20 or 25%? 28% uh, by financial planning standards is typically the most that it should be. Uh, that doesn't include your other household expenses, but that's like what you should be paying all in max, for your house. Max, max. 28%, yeah. And, uh, you know, people break it all the time. Uh, what, what I just will not tolerate is when your car payment is 28% of your take home. I'm like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you, you know, you have to True live story. in your parents' basement when you're going to pull a stunt like that. Oh. It's the guy that drives the BMW and goes to the apartment, right? Right. Yeah, with roommates. With roommates, so, yeah. So anyway, I I just want to emphasize that financial planning decisions need to be grounded in economic reality. But we're talking about the, the concept behind supply and demand and how you could see housing prices be inflated, but the rest of the economy not be inflated, which is where you get these fractured issues and people are saying, why is CPI not going up? That's the consumer price index. But houses seem to be getting more expensive, and food's getting more expensive. Well, food had to do with you know transportation. And it's scarcity a supply and chain, COVID, yeah. Right, but and housing had to do with the amount of money chasing the asset. But then gas prices went down, right? Well, nobody's buying it. There's no demand, so prices. Yeah, if people fall. are staying home and not commuting to work as and much. There was then... a point when oil futures went negative, 
I know, that's so that? crazy. Yeah. Oil futures were It negative. cost more to own the barrel than it did. Well, I mean, just negative, negative. Well, yeah, because there was no place to store it. It's like, we're not using it. Back in, like, March, when the markets were collapsing, oh, we had negative oil futures that's right. for a while. That's right. so crazy. And so that that is something that we should all just kind of look back on and go like, oh, yeah, that did happen. Yes, it did. We got <laughs> weird markets. And, Still have weird markets. And, Still and have so, weird circumstances for the day. So do I see market crashes just all over the horizon? Mm, Not so no. far. If Do I see uh, lockdowns because of COVID? Unclear. There seems to not be as much political will. There seems I to be a lot not. of will for being angry about it, but not a lot of will for, you know, it's like wear a mask and then go outside. That's kind of what seems to be the, 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 the census pathway. right now. Yeah. And, and you know, what you as a listener believe Choose personally, to do. I'm just, we're not just telling saying, you what I'm to believe on mass opinion here. I'm not even projecting my own opinion. I'm just saying, well, this seems to be what's going on. And that's part of my, we, we talk about this too, right? I'm not to be an optimist or a pessimist, nor am I to take one side or the other, but to examine them and then try to make good quality investment decisions based on that. True. So look that, at the whole picture. That is my take is if, if I can do my best to set my emotions aside and then just look at the data, what it tells me is, no, I don't see a massive crash in real estate. I just see constraints on upside of pricing because I don't think people are getting paid more. So I think we've about got as much money chasing the asset class as we can. And I don't see the markets collapsing because I don't see a lot of other places for the money to go. Doesn't mean it won't happen. Just means that's what it looks like to me, right? And guess what? It's the True Wealth Show, which yeah. you are the host of. So you get the <laughs> yeah. chance to have your opinion on I, it. Hey, I'm an expert <laughs> in my opinion. It's awesome. <laughs> anyway, you should right. be an expert of your opinion. <laughs> there you go. Well, there's the music, and so you know what that means. It's time to go. Katie, how do they reach us if they want more info? Five four one three seven five zero eight nine eight. Also, info at littlejohnfs.com. Yep, and all the social environments and stuff. And we even have a chat bot now on our webpage. Woo so you can hit us up chat there. bot. So uh, reach out to us until next week when we reach out to you. Thanks for joining us. This has been Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. You can listen to the True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.